Well, let me kick off our new series, Housekeep, with a little story. When Jalen and I got married over 10 years ago, we went on a honeymoon afterward, like most couple do. Do we wanted to go to someplace exotic? So naturally, we picked. Seattle. It was not exotic, but it was definitely something very different from the high desert of southern New Mexico. It was a great trip, great food. Seattle was a really cool uh, city to visit in the late spring. It would have been a perfect trip all around if we had been a little more careful about who was taking care of our house and our dog while we were gone. My family had come into town for the wedding, and my parents and my sister and her husband all stayed at the house a few extra days and had a get-together with all the extended family that was in town, which was fine. We knew about that. We were cool with that. We had okayed that that was going to happen at the house. We were good, which was fine until they decided to use the opportunity to have some fun with us. And by fun, I mean they hid hundreds of dumb, dumb suckers and rather suggestive sticky notes all around the house in every room and in every nook and cranny of the house. No joke, it was hundreds of suckers hundreds of sticky notes and so many and some of them so well hidden that when we moved out of that house four years later we discovered some that had never been found i am certain that whoever lives in that house now is still finding dum-dums and is still finding sticky notes but we were also left with a whole bunch of questions like were they calling us dum-dums for getting married were we the suckers? And more disturbing, which of my family members had the minds that came up with what went on the suggestive sticky notes? Look in your direction, mom and dad. So that was problem number one. Problem number two started after they left. They left the Monday after our Friday wedding, and then we had asked two of our high school students, two senior, seniors in high school from our youth group, to look after the house and to check on our dog until we got back on Saturday. They saw all the dum-dums and sticky notes and had all kinds of questions about my family, which me too, but the, you know, they, they had new questions. I didn't know how to answer them, but they left them all in their places as a gift to us. Thank you for doing that. And then, and then they decided to pull a prank of their own. They went into our pantry and removed all of the labels from every can in the pantry, which is a hilarious prank as long as it's happening to someone else. If it was happening to someone else, I'm like, that's hilarious. Even looking back at it 10 years later, I'm like, that's pretty hilarious. In the moment, it was so annoying and so frustrating, so frustrating. For the next six weeks, we were opening cans looking for chicken noodle soup and finding cream of chicken. We were looking for green beans and finding baked beans. We were looking for cream of mushroom and getting tomato soup. And after six weeks of that, I remember I took all of the remaining labelless cans out of the pantry. I threw them out. I threw my fist in the air and I said, you win, Trish. Because Trish, Trish was the person that had taken all the cans off, all, all the labels off the cans. So like, I remember being like, what in the world just happened? Like, we came back to this house that had just been turned upside down by dumb, dumb suckers, by sticky notes, and by no labels on the cans. So here's what we learned. You have to be careful about who, get, who you give a key to your house because this is, the, this is kind of the big idea for the entire series. Giving someone a house key is giving someone access to everything you have. Giving someone a house key is giving someone access to everything you have. Key word being access. When you give someone a key to your house, they have access to everything that you have. Your food, your electricity, your bedroom, your bathroom, your pillows, your sheets, your clothes, your tools, your lawnmower, everything and anything that you have, they have access to. Now, the reason I tell you all that is not because you needed a refresher. 
on what happens when you give someone a key to your place. The reason to bring that up as we begin this series is because when Jesus started walking the earth, God began handing out house keys through Jesus. And when Jesus handed out the house keys, just like we, when we do, God gave people access to everything that he had and everything that he has, everything, holding nothing back. They were given access to everything that God had and everything that he has. And the even better news, and the reason to keep talking, to talk about this for the next few weeks, the even better news is that since Jesus walked the earth, God has not stopped handing out house keys through a simple invitation that's extended to every single one of us. And so today and the next three weeks, we're going to look at a few stories from the gospel accounts of Jesus's life that show us how Jesus extends the house key to us and what happens when ordinary, everyday, undeserving people like you and me accept the invitation that Jesus has given us. Now, the first story that we're going to look at today is when Jesus called a man named Simon, who would become known, who would become known as Peter, to follow him. We're given two, multiple accounts of this story. I'm going to read the first one. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. This one doesn't give us a whole lot of detail, but gives us one really, really, really important detail. In Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 20, we're told this. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. So he saw Simon and Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. Which, based on the limited information on this interaction, if, I, if, if, if a stranger says, hey, come follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to fish for people, I'd be like, no thank you, dude. Not following you anywhere. I'm going to fish for fish. Fishing for people sounds like something that would actually get you thrown in jail. So like we, like, we don't entirely know from this instance why anyone would accept this invitation to follow Jesus, but here's what we're told in verse 20. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, it's interesting. Why would someone follow Jesus? We're going to get more detail on that in a little bit. But before we get to the detail of why they would leave their nets and why they would choose to follow this invitation of Jesus, I think we need to understand something about the invitation of Jesus. Jesus says, come follow me. How does Jesus begin this interaction? He says, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. And here's the thing. Come follow me is the house key that Jesus has extended to every one of us. Follow me. Is the, is the house key that Jesus has extended. It's the invitation that Jesus has given to every one of us. This is how Jesus gives us the house key. He says, follow me. Follow me. That's the invitation of Jesus. Notice what Jesus didn't say here. Jesus didn't say, believe in me and I'll show you how. He didn't say, believe in me and you'll have a relationship with me. He didn't say, get your theology all perfect and all squared away and then you'll have access to everything that I have. He didn't even say, get all your behavior and all your bad habits out of the way. He simply said, follow me. He invited them to follow. He invited them to follow. And in inviting them to follow, he gave them the house keys. He extended the house keys, which gives access to everything that God has 
for you. What does follow me look like to Jesus? To follow Jesus, it means to stay close to Jesus. To follow means you walk in his steps. That if he is going somewhere, you walk with him. To follow means that you treat people how he treated people. To follow him means that you begin to think in the way that he thinks. To follow him means to follow him in his connection with God. And so you begin to understand scripture the way that Jesus understood scripture. You begin to read, today you would begin to read scripture and try to understand what Jesus meant when he was talking how Jesus would have read scripture. To, you, to, uh, to understand, to, to, to follow Jesus means that we pray like Jesus, that we, that we love others like Jesus loved. To follow, it would have come to mean a lot of things for Simon and for the other disciples that were with him that day. But, for, but before it meant anything else for Simon, it meant put down the fishing net and walk with me. It meant put down the fishing net and let's take a walk. And let's take a walk. And for each of us today, this is still the call of Jesus, the offer of a house key from Jesus, that following Jesus, staying close, walking like him, responding like him, loving like him, following him to the best of our abilities is what gives us access to everything our heavenly father has for us and wants for us. And it all begins with our decision to leave our metaphorical nets and to take a first step of walking with him, to lay down the thing that we think is important in the temporary, to find something and to follow someone who is ultimately important in the eternal, to, find, to, to lay down what we think is important, to pursue something that is actually important. And now what's interesting, again, we I talked about this, that doesn't give us a whole lot of details. That's a tiny, tiny little picture of what happened. And we go, why would someone actually choose to follow that invitation? Well, it's because there's more that happened that led up to the circumstances of the invitation and, the cho and they're choosing to follow the invitation, to accept the invitation to follow Jesus. Again, the, the, this, this a story is written by, is recorded by multiple gospel authors. And in Luke's account, he gives a different angle of the story with a lot more detail. In Luke chapter five, we're told this. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets, meaning they're done. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So to this point, here's what's happening for Jesus. Jesus has gained a reputation as a teacher, as an authoritative, powerful teacher of God's word. And Jesus has gained a reputation as a miracle worker and a healer. And so wherever Jesus goes already, very early in, in the ministry of Jesus, before he even has disciples, before he has the 12 disciples, before he has any disciples, Jesus has gained this reputation where where he goes, people follow. And the crowds are pressing in so hard that he can't actually stand on the, on, the, on the shore and preach to them and teach to them. He has to get out into the boat so he can be heard and so he can be seen so they can understand what he's saying. So apparently what we need to know from Jesus, there's a lot of people don't miss this about Jesus, is that Jesus was apparently a boat hijacker. Like a lot of people miss that about Jesus, but Jesus had that moment like in the cap in that movie, Captain Phillips, where the guy looked at him there and says, I am the captain now. I am the captain now. He says that to Simon. He's like, I'm the captain of this boat now. So let's go out. And I'm kidding about that, but it's kind of really what happened. So here, but here's the question. I want to pay, I want to pay attention to this. Here's the question. Who invites who into their story, into their situation, into their life at this moment? Like Jesus invites Simon to participate in the Jesus story. Simon is not sitting around looking for someone to invite into the exciting Simon sitting in a boat repairing nets story. 
I mean, this is important because so often we talk about inviting Jesus into our life. Have you invited Jesus into your life? Have you invited Jesus into your life? You should invite Jesus into your life. We talk about it that way, but based on the way that Jesus interacts with Simon and later others throughout his time on earth, I don't think that's actually how it works. See, what if we have it backwards when we talk about inviting Jesus into our lives? What if all along Jesus has not wanted to be invited into our lives? Jesus has been inviting us into his life. What if all along Jesus has not been sitting around waiting to be invited into our lives, into our mess, into our brokenness, into our pain, into our past, into our shame, into all of that? But what if instead of, do, instead of that, Jesus has been sitting around inviting us, standing around, walking around, inviting us into his life? And I'm telling you, this is a game changer. Instead of thinking of inviting Jesus into our lives to saying we have been invited into Jesus's life. Let's be honest, me inviting Jesus into my life sounds a bit like I'm asking Jesus to come and take me and my life and my brokenness and my weakness and my whatever and my shame and my past and my guilt and to use Jesus as a supplement of some kind to make my life a little bit better with a big helping of forgiveness of sins. We so often, when we talk about inviting Jesus into our lives, we talk about it, we think about it as Jesus as a supplement. Jesus did not come to be a supplement. Jesus came to be a savior. And so instead of being a supplement invited into our lives, Jesus is the savior who invites us into his life. What Jesus actually does is he extends a hand and he invites us to follow him in a whole new way of life where the old me goes away, where my sin goes away, where my past goes away, where my shame goes away, where everything about my old life and my own way of being is crucified with Christ, and I follow Jesus into his new, his lasting, and his resurrection life that is so much better than anything that I've ever experienced before. And I'm just telling you, this is why this is a game changer. If you can wrap your heads around this, this changes everything for you in the way that you follow Jesus because you have not been inviting Jesus into your life, although maybe that's some of the way that you've been thinking about Jesus. You were invited into Jesus's life. You were invited into Jesus's real life. You were invited into Jesus's lasting life. You were invited into Jesus's eternal life. You were invited into the better life that Jesus has for you here and now. You are not inviting Jesus into your life. Jesus is inviting you into his life. And it's our choice whether or not we will accept the invitation. So verse four goes on. He says this, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, Jesus apparently wanted, after his sermon, Jesus wanted to go fishing. Verse five tells us this, master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. But if you say so, I will let the nets down again. See, Simon accepts the invitation even though Simon had reason to not listen to Jesus. Simon had reason to refuse the instruction. Simon was tired. Simon had already been awake all night. Simon, if, if it was me, I'd be like, hey, dude, like I've been up all night. I need to get home. I need to get some sleep because I got to go, go out again tomorrow night. Simon was tired. Simon was a fisherman, meaning he actually knew what he was doing compared to this carpenter preacher guy who you know, thinks he knows what he's talking about with fishing, but I mean, he didn't even bring a rod. Like, like, what, like he, how can he know what he's talking about? Simon understood the timing, meaning like if this was ever going to happen, it would have happened at night, not during the bright sunlight of the day. Simon had already tried 
I mean, like, let's be honest, for some of us, have we ever been there? Where we have already tried, we've already tried to follow Jesus. We've already tried to know Jesus. We've already tried to believe in God. We've already tried to attend church. We've already tried to change our lives. We've already tried. And someone comes along and says, do this. You're like, dude, I already tried that. I already tried. So Simon, he accepts this invitation, even though he has reasons to refuse the invitation. Notice, Simon is already a part of the Jesus story. Simon is already participating in the Jesus story. Simon is already following. The second that Jesus got in his boat and said, can you let me out? And and Simon actually pushed out. He began to follow Jesus. And Simon had heard enough or seen enough about Jesus, had heard enough about the reputation, had heard enough while he was preaching in the boat that Simon... When Jesus says, would you push out the boat? And he has all kinds of reasons to say no. He says, yes. He says, if you say so, I will. If you say so, I will. Is Peter accepting the key that Jesus offered? Accepting the house key that Jesus has offered? Accepting the invitation that Jesus has offered? See, obedience is how we accept the house key, saying yes to Jesus' instruction, yes to Jesus' command, yes to Jesus' request, yes to Jesus' whatever. That's how we accept the house key. Follow me. This is important. Follow me can only be met with a yes or a no because a maybe is a no for now. The maybe is a no until the no turns into a yes. Obedience to whatever Jesus asks or instructs is our yes And our failure to obey or our disobedience to anything Jesus asks or instructs is our no. See, here's what we have to understand. To say yes to the invitation into Jesus's life is to say yes to every request and every command that follows. To say yes as a first step is to say this is a first step and there will be more that will follow. To say yes to the invitation into Jesus's life is to say yes to every request and every command that follows. Simon understood this somehow. He had seen and he had heard just enough of Jesus to say yes after yes, yes to the yes to the invitation to get in my boat, yes to the invitation to go out further even though I don't think we're going to catch anything, but yes and yes and yes and yes. And verse 6 tells us this, and this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Because of Simon's yes, because of Simon's yes, because of his step of obedience, Simon got to see something miraculous unfold before his very eyes. Simon's going, we, like, we fished these waters all night. There were no fish. We fished these at the night when there, was time, when there was the time to fish. We didn't catch anything. Now it's day and all the fish should be sleeping and away from here. And they're, like, and they're in our net. Like, what happened? We forget this, but for a fisherman, this was not just an interesting story. This was more than a great story. It was the catch. There was a miraculous catch. There was miraculous provision for his family for months. It was a miracle born out of obedience. And it was the first time Simon would come to learn this lesson. Everything that God has for you is on the other side of your next yes. Everything that God has for you is on the other side of your next yes. The miraculous catch for Simon was on the other side of his next yes, which came after the first yes of, can I use your boat? Yes. Like the first yes led to the next yes and the next yes and the next yes. And the first yes is, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And the first yes is, yes, Jesus, I will trust in you for the forgiveness of my sins and for, and for salvation and for walk, so I can walk in the new life that you have for me. But the next yes is, yes, Jesus, I will forgive. 
And yes, Jesus, I will confess. And yes, Jesus, I will repent. And yes, Jesus, I will humble, humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And yes, Jesus, I will love my neighbor. And yes, Jesus, I will love my enemy. And yes, Jesus, I will go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. And yes, Jesus, whatever you have asked, I will do. And everything that God has for you, everything that God wants for you, it's on the other side of a yes. That when Jesus calls us, when Jesus commands us, when Jesus instructs us, when Jesus makes a request of us, when we say yes, we move toward what God has for us and what God desires and what God wants for us. Everything that God has for you, it's on the other side of your next yes. See, Jesus has extended the key to you. Your yes is how you put the key in the door and turn it to embrace everything and to receive everything that God has for you. Story goes on to tell us this in verse 8 of the reaction of Simon. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. See, something to pause here just for a second. This is the appropriate response. This is the appropriate feeling for Simon to have at this moment. Oh man, I'm in the presence of goodness and greatness and perfection and love and power and I am not deserving and I am unworthy and I am none of those things. I'm not good. I'm not perfect. I'm not great. I'm not love. I'm not powerful. Like, like I'm not, like he's going to smite me. He's going to be warming up the lightning bolts once he realizes how, how, how terrible I am in comparison to him. This is the actual correct response. This is the way Peter, Simon had been raised to live and to respond to goodness and to holiness and perfection. But Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Which means because Jesus was here, there was no reason to fear even when you have a reason to be afraid. That if your imperfection has left you fearing God, if your imperfection, your unholiness has left you knowing that you fall short of God and that you should stand fearful in the presence of God, because of Jesus, we have no reason to fear even when we, should, when we have a reason to be afraid. We have no reason to fear even when we have a reason to be afraid. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. There's that line. For now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. And followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Simon took the house key and he never let go of it. He made a decision in that moment that every moment that followed would be spent following Jesus and saying yes to Jesus. See, here's something that's so important for us to understand. You can make a decision in a moment that changes every moment that follows. You can make, and I can make, every one of us can make a decision in a moment that changes every moment that follows. You can make a decision in this moment. If you have never said yes to Jesus, you can make a decision in this moment, in your living room, on your patio, as you're watching while someone else is driving because you shouldn't be driving and watching this. But you like, wherever you are, if you're sitting in the bathroom and you're watching while you're on the toilet, you can make a decision in this moment that changes every moment that follows. Simon made a, moment, made, made a decision in the moment to say yes to Jesus. 
that would lead to a life of saying yes to Jesus. And as he said yes to Jesus, he experienced some things that we can't even begin to really truly wrap our minds around. Let me talk about what Simon experienced as, as he went through the rest of his life with Jesus. Simon was the first person to identify and formally announce Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the world. And when he did, Jesus said, I now call you Peter. And on this rock, this proclamation, this declaration that I'm the Son of God come into the world, that's what I will build my gathering, that I will build my church. Simon was commissioned and sent out by Jesus to heal the sick. He was given authority and given power by Jesus to go heal the sick. Simon was in the room when Jesus raised a dead girl to life. I mean, I've been in some rooms where I prayed for someone and they went from sick to healthy. I have never been in a room where I prayed for someone who was dead and they became alive. Simon was at the graveside when Jesus raised Lazarus, his friend, to life. After being dead for four days, after already being in the tomb, he, uh, he, uh, he saw Lazarus walk out of the grave wrapped in the cloths of the grave. Simon heard every word that Jesus ever taught in public. I mean, can you imagine? We, we, we know Jesus through the pages of scripture, through the stories of, Peter, like, of people like Peter, Peter people like John, Peter like J, people like James. We know the story because of these people and these interactions. Peter had a first-hand eyewitness account with his own eyes. And he heard everything that Jesus ever said with his own ears. Simon walked on water. You ever done that? No, none of us have. Simon walked on water. You're like, I got a cool jet ski. Well, you haven't walked on water, bro. He, like, he did something that no one else has ever done. Simon was there the night that Jesus would be arrested. He was there in the upper room. He was there in the, in the, in the, at the Last Supper. He was there when... When Jesus took bread and took the cup and he said, this is my body which will be broken for you and this is my blood which will be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. He was there when Jesus instituted the new covenant. Jesus, Simon finally stood in the tomb of the resurrected Jesus. And Simon stood or sat down and ate breakfast with his savior on the beach after his resurrection. I mean, none of that happens without him saying yes in the first place and continually saying yes to Jesus. I mean, one decision to say yes literally changed the rest of Simon's life. We wouldn't know the name of Simon. We would, he would be lost to history if it weren't for the first yes to Jesus and every yes to come. One yes led to a completely different story for Simon. That's what happened for Simon Peter, and the same can be true for you. You can make a decision in a moment that changes every moment that follows. The best decision that you can make at any moment is to say yes to following Jesus. That when Jesus invites us to follow him, we respond with yes. We respond by saying yes. So here's the thing. Follow me. Follow me. That's the house key that gives us access to everything that God has for us. But saying yes is how we begin to receive everything that God has for us. Follow me, follow me. It's the invitation into the house. It's the giving of the key. It's handing us the key. And us saying yes is taking the key and opening the door so we can walk in and we can receive and embrace everything that God has for us. Now, Simon, his name would eventually change to Peter. There was another man who would have a name change as well. His name was Saul, and he became known as Paul. He would later in his letter to the Roman church describe this dynamic of us gaining access to everything 
through Jesus as we follow Jesus, gaining access to everything that God has for us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Do you know how we stand there? We stand there because we follow Jesus there. We stand there because we follow Jesus there. We have been given peace with God because we follow Jesus there. We have been justified before God because we follow Jesus there. And because we follow Jesus, we have gained access to everything that God has for us. We've gained access to peace. We've gained access to justification we gain access to everything that God has for us as we follow Jesus. So here's the thing. You gain access because Jesus has invited you into new life. You receive everything God has for you by saying yes to his invitation to follow. This is the bottom line. You gain access because Jesus has invited you into new life and he's given you the keys when he gave you the invitation to follow him. You receive everything that God has for you by saying yes to his invitation to follow. And if you've ever wondered what God has for you and what you receive and what you gain access to by saying yes to Jesus, here's what you gain access to. You, when, you follow, when you say yes to following Jesus, you gain access to God's grace, to God's grace, which is greater than all of your sin, his forgiveness, his mercy. You gain access to God's grace by following Jesus, by trusting Jesus, by saying, Jesus, where you lead, I will go. Where you lead, I will follow. Where you point the way, I will go. What you say, I will do. You gain access to God's grace by following Jesus. By following Jesus, you gain access to God's strength. For the moments that you feel weak, God's strength is enough for you to make you strong when you feel weak. When you say yes to following Jesus, you gain access to God's love to God's unconditional love, to God's love that loved you despite knowing everything that, uh, that about you, despite knowing everything about your sin, about your past, about your shame, despite knowing about all of those things before you would ever do them. God loves you. And when you say yes to following Jesus, you know that God's love is for you. When you say yes to following Jesus, you gain access to God's peace. You gain access to peace with God and to peace from God. You gain access to peace with God, knowing there is peace between heaven and earth, peace between you and your heavenly Father. And you also gain access to peace from God that for the moments where life is anxious and where life is stressful and where life is life circumstances are overwhelming, you can have peace because you have peace from your heavenly Father because you gained access to that through following Jesus. When you say yes to following Jesus, you gain access to God's life to life that is real life, to life that isn't just what the, the things that you see, the best pictures of some, someone else's life, and it's not the, the temporary moments of joy, but it's real life full of joy from your heavenly Father. It's real life in the life here and now, and it's real life in the life to come. It's better life in the here and now, and it's real life and eternal life in the life to come. You gain access to God's wisdom for the moments where you lack wisdom, for the moments where you really lack wisdom, for the moments where you didn't have any to start. You gain access to, a God, to God's wisdom and the God who has 
full and true wisdom. You gain access to God's perspective. For the moments where we lack perspective or where our perspective is so limited and we can see this much, but there's this much of the world, God says, I give you my perspective so that you can see the world how I see the world because when you see as I see, you'll do what I, as I say. You'll understand from my perspective. You'll understand my heart for you. You'll understand why I'm asking you to do what, I, what, what I'm asking you to do. You'll understand from God's perspective. And finally, you gain access to God's salvation when you follow Jesus. There is salvation. There is freedom from your sins, and so you are free to follow God. You are free from your sins, so you are free to connect with your heavenly Father. And that's all available to you. And you gain access to all of that when you follow Jesus. See, when you say yes to Jesus, you gain access to everything you think you need and all the things that you don't even know you need. When you say yes to following Jesus, you discover everything that you need, that God has everything that you need and more, that he is everything that you need and more. And you gain access to everything that he has for you when you follow Jesus, when you say yes to the invitation to follow Jesus. So today, as we, as we end, I want to give you an invitation and I want to extend to you the invitation and give you the, a, a moment to do this, a challenge to do this. To, if you've never said your first yes to Jesus, your first yes to Jesus, this is the best moment that you can do this. This is the moment for you to make a decision to, that, that will change every moment, in a moment, that will change every moment from this moment forward. This is the moment to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins that was accomplished by his death on the cross. This is the moment to trust his resurrection life, that he was seen by over 500 people, including Simon that he was seen by over 500 people after his resurrection, to trust that that new life is enough life for you. And that when you trust that death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins and to bring you new life, you are invited into new life as you follow Jesus. You can make that decision right now. And today, the second challenge is if you haven't said your next yes to Jesus, to follow wherever he leads, to do whatever he says, to do whatever he requires of you, say your next yes to Jesus because everything God has for you is on the other side of your next yes. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace for us. Thank you for everything that you have for us. And thank you that you have extended the invitation and given us access to everything that you want for us as we follow Jesus. So God, help us to follow Jesus. Help us to have the wisdom to know that we're following our hearts, that following our minds, following our sinful nature, following our selfish nature has led us nowhere. But following Jesus will lead us to every good thing that you have for us. So God, help us to say yes to following Jesus. Help us say yes to the, give Jesus our first yes and our next yes and our next yes and our next yes. And God, we simply say yes because we want to live and to experience everything that you have and everything that you desire for us. So God, help us have the wisdom to say yes to Jesus. Help us have the courage to keep saying yes to Jesus and to not just say yes, but to actually live out our yes to Jesus. We love you. We want to follow you and we want to live for you and experience everything that you have and everything that you are. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.